The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. And uh, we are to the moment of meditation and Pledge of Allegiance. All right, so council colleagues, Mayor Shore, do we have anybody that we need to remember tonight during um, our moment of meditation? All right, seeing none, if you would please rise at a moment of meditation followed by the Pledge of Allegiance, we'd appreciate it. Thank you. You have for your approval the council proceedings of August 8th. Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. At this time, I would move the minutes as written for August 8th, 2022. All right, there's a motion down the floor for the discussion. Seeing and hearing none, all those in um, favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. And we are to special ceremonies and presentations. Our first one is on Z2 of 2022. All right, Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. What we have before us, I'm sorry, is um, Z2 2022, 3220, and 3330 West Miller Road, a rezoning from R3 suburban detached residential to R6B urban residential. Um, they are proposing, and both of them are, are number one and number two, both of them are proposing to, um, the lots have been purchased, and they want to um, put duplexes up. Um, our uh, zoning and planning, uh, Ms. Statuick, um has said it is consistent with the, the surrounding area. There are duplexes on Miller Road and in that same area. So I don't know if we have um, the person here who is going to do um, a presentation on that. Excuse me. Mr. Garcia, I'm sorry. How are you? Please come up and answer some questions. You can come down here to the to the well down here. Just kind of give us an overview of what you're planning. I know right there. So actually, right Ray, there. if you want to take a seat right yeah. here. And yeah. so you, I know you talked about it a little bit in development and planning and yeah. talked about your vision and, and what you've done around town. Um, but if you can kind of just give a, a brief overview of your proposal for both of these, I'd really appreciate it. And we're going to need you to turn the, actually turn the mic on. Hit the, down at yep, the button. Hit the button. Is Once it the green? green light comes on, it's live. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm uh, working on the rezoning, obviously. Um, what I usually do in the around Lansing area is I've um, been building new homes, you know, here in the Lansing area. Um, I think we have nine up as of now. And we have some other properties that we own um, in Lansing that um, I would like to build duplexes, you know, and the... Um, the areas call for the area. I'm not. I wouldn't want to do something that doesn't um, fit in the neighborhood. So um, I'm not. This is. Um, 
obviously for profit because I own a business, but also it's more of a long-term investment. Um, I've also, I've invested my whole business here in Lansing. So I, uh, my business is in Lansing. I've lived in Lansing. Um, so I'm just trying to improve the area. You know, the properties have been sitting for quite a while. Um, all the lots that I bought from the, from the land bank and the city. So, um, but yeah, the, I think the areas call for, for duplexes. You know, there's apartments in the area. There's duplexes in the area. So it fits, it fits the area well. It fits the neighborhood. Questions All right. Do we have any, sorry, other questions or comments? Vice President Wood. Uh, are either of these conditional zoning? They both are. Okay. Could you please explain what the conditional zoning is for them? Sure. And so the conditional zoning actually proposed by the applicant um, is so that there cannot be on any parcel, whether that be on Miller or Aurelius, there can't be uh, anything built beyond a single family home or a duplex. Yeah. Okay. Are there other questions, comments? All right, seeing none, we appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank, right, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, uh, Councilwoman Spitzley on number three. Thank you, Mr. President. We have a public hearing tonight on a payment in lieu of taxes for the Stadium North multifamily lots um, at 500 North Cedar, and also number four, a payment in lieu of taxes um, for Stadium North Senior Lofts 500. Um, North Cedar Street, um, Mr. Swigerhart, did I do it good? All right, if you want to come up here and um, and Barb, I'm sorry, Barb, I should have asked you up the last time as well. I apologize. Um, this is my new role. I wasn't. I just got this at the. You know, I'm like the bridesmaid, and now I'm the bride, so I don't know how to act. So, so please, <laughs> Barb. Yeah, so, so I think what we're wanting to hear, num number one, make sure the mic's on. Um, it is. But in terms of, so, you know, we, we've obviously done some things with regards yeah. to the property to allow for this development. We do know that originally, uh, earlier this year, as a matter of fact, uh, the partic this particular developer moved forward with a 10% request. Uh, that was obviously ex accepted by the city, endorsed by the administration. And now what we understand is that they are requesting actually a 7% uh, pilot due to rising costs rising in terms cost. of construction materials. So if you could talk about that, we'd appreciate it. Yep, absolutely. I'm just going to give you a brief overview and then I'll turn it over. Mm -hmm. um, so it's true, they have a 10% pilot um, that was uh, granted to them and they do have their LIHTC reservation for these two developments. There's two developments. There's the um, multifamily development, which was is 66 units. And then there's a senior development as well, which is 66 units. Um, they're asking for a 7% pilot at this time for 35 years. Um, and each of these will provide 66 units of safe, healthy, affordable housing um, uh, with a mix of one, two, and three bedroom uh, apartments. And um, so, Due to increased construction costs and also increased financing costs, the project is not feasible with a 10% pilot at this time, um, and hence the request for a 7% pilot. The 7% pilot allows um, the developer to increase construction financing, and along with that increase in construction financing, a, they will be um, investing a significant amount of their developer fee into the project to make it a viable project. 
And I just want to say right now that this parcel is, um, there, there's two parcels actually, and together they're generating just over $27,000 a year in property taxes. Um, with the 7% pilot, these developments um, will be generating almost $75,000 worth of revenue for the city each year. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over. And before you, before you start your presentation, I just want to do a follow-up. When we were in development and planning, one of the things that we had asked you, or what I had asked, was for a breakdown on in taxes now versus taxes. And I think you've said, you, you just mentioned that, but if you can just kind of reiterate that so that council knows what the taxes are now, what the taxes will be um, once completion, and then the taxes with the 7% pilot, if yeah. you don't mind. Thank you. Welcome. Yes, yeah, thanks for having I could just stop you guys for a minute. Sure. Um, and I appreciate you being here and certainly appreciate um, you, know, you, you moving forward with this development. I was supportive of, supportive of uh, this in the past, and, and obviously we're vetting now the 7%. Um, and so I hope to be able to be supportive now. But we also have to be frank um, in that with this development, um, there's going to be increased cost to the city. Uh, with regards to public services, with regards to police, with regards to fire, with regards to code, with regards to, so although we are seeing an increase in taxes on an annual basis, we are going to see um, an increase with regards to um, our costs to actually service this building the way the people that live within these two buildings um, deserve to be serviced. Thank you. Yes, uh, thanks everyone for your time. Um, staff, mayor, council, we greatly appreciate your time and excited about the development. As many of you may know, we started this effort over a couple years ago as we apply for funding through the state for a mixed income, multi-generational housing development. Um, and I do have about a five or six page packet that hopefully is up in front of you. Uh, we'll start with the site. I've, I've, everyone's probably familiar with the area between Larch and Cedar and between Saginaw and Chiawassee. Uh, we're about mid-block, mid just a, a block north of um, the Lansing Brewing Company uh, on what right now is a basically vacant lot with a pretty worn-out building and a bunch of uh, golf carts on it right now, um, and they're doing commercial leasing there of those, those carts. Uh, the site is also very complicated in that it is a brownfield, and there is a very big mess under the ground. In fact, that brownfield is contaminating one of your water wells as it stands today, too. Um, so I do want to say is while our benefit here is creating new affordable housing for your population, in the process, we're going to be able to do a lot of cleanup on site and improve your system substantially and the quality and health of those systems along the way. Um, just real quick, a little background on us. We have been doing housing for almost 30 years now. We've developed, owned, and managed a portfolio of upwards of 10,000 units. We've grown into 16 states. We've been in Michigan for about 15, 16 years. Uh, nearest you, we just completed a development up in Grand Rapids um, where uh, it has been successful at least in under two months. There in Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids offered a 1.5% pilot, just to give reference. Um, additionally, we had done a development in Jackson, um, Francis Senior Lofts. Uh, that development is completed about two years ago started to notice the inflation that we're seeing in the world right at the tail end of this development. And there in uh, Jackson, they offer 6% pilots. Um, any one of these developments, this is a, we apply to the state, there's 10 points available for a pilot. And pilots are there to assist in the development of affordable housing. Um, we are able to provide a substantially below market rent to the residents of your community. 
The whole goal is to improve their quality of life, live, allow them more money to spend and grow and empower themselves. Um, and also at the end of life, um, as folks retire and worked off fixed incomes, they very easily meet these income definitions. And we're able to provide a product and a housing option that is of superior quality of anything that's out there. And we're able to provide it at hundreds of dollars below market value. And as you can imagine, for a senior who wants to age in place, how important that could be. Um, with that, as Barb mentioned, we've got two developments that we brought to the state. Um, we've been successful in securing important funding that allows for affordable housing, 66 units of each. Uh, the multifamily is workforce housing. Our goal is to target young professionals, folks, families in the workforce, working class individuals who need assistance. Because right now, a two to three bedroom unit in your community, if you're talking of any reasonable quality, can be 1500 $2,000 a month. The ones nearest us um, are going to be more than $500 a unit higher in rent than what we're able to achieve. So if you're somebody working in the corridor there in the area, um, you really got to look outside the area to find something of reasonable affordability. So we're able to provide that in a walkable area with plenty of amenities and services in a growing area of town uh, to really balance what we hope uh, the growth in the area. Um, we're excited about being in the area. Uh, since we started this development, um, cost has certainly increased more than we've seen in, in, in our history. Um, I've been doing this since 2006. Uh, we weathered the recession and watched the exact opposite happen. Cost went to the floor because you couldn't get capital and equity. Now capital and equity is good and cost is going through the roofs. Historically throughout the Midwest, there's no doubt inflation over the period of time where we've gone to the state applied for the funding and that secured the funding and headed towards closing we're talking about a 30 plus percent increase in the cost of, of doing development in addition to that we've got a very complicated site it is a brownfield as mentioned uh, we do have some funds that we've secured to help with that um, in addition to that um, just our, our our issue with the well um, initially um, we were able to design and, and build on site. Um, now we're going to have to do things to help relocate that well. It's not the right location for a well, so in the end it is better for your water system. We're contributing to that in the process. Um, the, the, the pages after the site plan and rendering really talk about the pro forma, and I think that's the important piece. Um, we have seen cost increases that are several million plus dollars over that period of time. And the state is looking to help but they're also looking for us to help uh, with local support. Um, in, in all of our developments in Michigan, um, the, these additional funds are necessary. And in Coldwater, Michigan, where we were also funded for development in the same funding round, uh, they initially offered a 6% pilot, and they're going to be reviewing a 3% pilot for us later this month to help with that development. Those are helping act as local matching funds as we go ask the state for some additional resources that they're putting in place because this is a systemic problem in all of their developments across the state from this round um, because of the quick and rapid increase in cost. So without the pilot, this development is 100% deferred and you can see that in the first column. We're gonna be contributing the developer fee that we make off of this development back to the development to make it feasible. Um, and without the pilot, we're 100% deferred. That's not a closable transaction. Our fee 
actually acts as an insurance policy or protection for the investor in these developments. The, the tax credit purchaser, um, that's kind of their insurance policy to say that if there are drastic cost overruns, we'll hold back that developer fee to use it. So they always make you have a certain amount of payable diver, de developer fee in a deal. Uh, historically, that's been more like 40 to 50%. In today's times, it's maybe more like 60%. So we have to show them a deal where we have a, a underwrite that meets MISHTA's requirements and um, the underwrite that we have enough to uh, have a con contribution of deferred fee in there that matches their risk profile. Um, this development is going to bring 130 brand new affordable units to market. We're going to be providing them at substantial discount to market. With our 80% AMI targeting, we're able to serve families up to 60 plus 70, almost thousand dollars in incomes. Help families start get in, get 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 a get a foothold in the community where they can grow, uh, and also allow seniors to age gracefully. Um, with that uh, pilot reduction, we can get the deferred fee down to 80%. Um, we are working with our contractor on some value engineering that will get it the remaining uh, hurdle, which is ultimately going to be around a 70 to 75% deferred fee. So we're contributing over 75% of our fee to the development to help assist with the feasibility as well. Um, with that, these, there's two models there. They essentially range the same way. These developments are very similar in cost and scale. Each is representing around a $13 million investment. So between the two projects, we're talking about putting in place $26 million in new investment and 130-plus uh, new units that are built to green, uh, national green building standard, 100% accessible uh, in, in here and hopefully ready to serve residents of your community. As mentioned, as we looked at the pilot, and, and uh, thank you to the city staff who helped us do some of these calculations, we were able to determine the current tax value on the property. There is a business running, so it does have value, and we're, we're seeing uh, around $27,000 uh, versus the pilot that's going to be bringing in $37,000. So there is an improvement um, in the value of the property. Um, this is helping the development become feasible. Um, we hope that's important to you. We hope the new investment's important to you in helping serve your residents with high-quality housing. Um, I will say this is, yes, you're right. We will be using services, and we will generate um, new users. Um, ultimately, we do hope to serve residents of Lansing, and we will be marketing and targeting re Lansing residents, So, um, and we will be paying all of our water and new usage bills. So uh, new, new services, um, users for the water system, the electric system, uh, we're paying a very big contribution to relocating the well. Um, and want to do anything and everything we can to help see this through. So we appreciate your time and considerations on this and happy to answer any questions you might have about it. All right, we appreciate that. Do we have any questions, comments? Vice President Wood. I, I have a couple questions for you. It says in the information that you provided us that you have 28 years plus experience. Can you tell us um, the longest uh, property that you've owned? Mm -hmm. Yes, um, the very first one we built, we still own. It's uh, known initially as Deer Run. Now it's known as Summit Point. It's in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Um, it's around 60, 70 units of affordable housing that we built. I think it was 92 or 93. It was before I was there. 
Um, I was blessed to actually have an opportunity to help rehab that property in year 20. Um, we went back to the state and applied for resyndication of tax credits and put uh, around $60,000 a unit in complete retrofit of that building. Um, we still own it, we still manage it, and certainly it now operates um, much stronger after, uh, I think it was around an $11 million new investment we put in the building. I'm guessing it was around eight years ago. So that extended the mortgage that you had with Mishta. Well, that was in Indiana, so it was IHCDA. Well, but yes, yes. Um, so with tax credits, it's a 15-year compliance. But with the state of Michigan, they make you uh, obligate a 30-year-plus commitment to affordability. So this will be affordable long-term, targeting up to 80% AMI. Okay. Um, was there any talk or thought about um, designating a certain percentage of the units for market rate so that we could collect full taxes on the market rate? Um, with the amount of market in the area and what it costs to build it, we did not feel we could justify the rent that it would require to put in market rate units. So no, our development proposal to the state was affordable at various income bandwidths up to 80% AMI. Thank you. All right. Councilman Brown. Thank you, President Hussein. Uh, thank you for your in-depth uh, explanation of the uh, project. I appreciate it. I noticed on your proposal it has Lansing Housing Commission and then your partnership. Could you explain that relationship? Yeah. Um, so as mentioned, we have around 130 developments throughout a 16-state region. I would say around 90% of those developments are done with a local partner. And what we mean by a local partner, our local partners fill up to three roles in development. They can become a co-developer, co-owner with us, and they can also act as our service coordinator. As part of these developments, we provide access to services, linkage to childcare for families and in senior care, transportation, uh, in-home meals, all sorts of things. So uh, we're always looking for the best local partner to do these things. Uh, the Lansing Housing Commission, we approached them and said, look, there's a few reasons why we would hope you might want to assist, participate in this development with us. Um, they agreed. They thought it fet, met, meant, met their missions, goals, and policies to encourage and support new affordable housing in the area. So they joined the development as a co-developer and a co-owner. So they will actually benefit from some of the developer fee and cash flow from this development. Um, in addition to that, they will act as that service coordinator um, and help assist our residents with linkage to programs and services. Um, and they will also provide a handful of vouchers. As you may know, they did a RAD conversion, I'm guessing a couple years ago, and out of that, they do have a few vouchers that they still need to place that are actually replacement units from that effort. And we're gonna move a few of those over because right now those units are in obsolete, less than desirable, um, less accessible single family homes. And so we're able to move those over into these, uh, uh, into, into those. I think it's uh, 12 units per development. The senior development has 12 of those units and the workforce housing development has 12 of those units. 
What, you have a follow-up question? Yes. Uh, okay. You. Uh, what process do you take when you are, or vetting process do you have when you're talking about different community partners and certain providing services and so on and what you just explained? Mm -hmm. What do we do to vet them? Is that what you ask? Yes, you stated that when you uh, do developments, you have 130 and 16 different states. You have local community partners, whether it's a co-developer or a, kind of a service delivery partner. Yeah. Um, what process do you go through to identify to make sure that you have the right uh, partner. the right partners yeah. uh, to accomplish the impact that you articulated this evening? Yeah, um, it varies from state to state because each state program has a scoring system that helps you compete. And the state has 100 applications a year, and they have enough money to fund 20. And so you have to compete with the scoring. Um, there's various reasons why we use the Housing Commission. Um, not only is there experience and capacity, also the fact that they had a RAD that they were trying to finish the conversion of, and uh, the ability for them to partner with us helped them finish some of that off. In addition to that, as we compete with the state, where there were some very specific um, supporting scoring categories that the Housing Commission could provide that other local partners couldn't that made us successful. Does that answer your question? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, before I turn the floor over to Vice President Wood, um, I, I, I don't speak for the council, I speak for myself. Sure. Um, you know, the fact that we're looking at the Lansing Housing Commission in this moment um, as whether that be co-developer, co-owner, uh, service coordinator, provider, uh, is incredibly concerning to me. Um, when you look at right now the Lansing Housing Commission and their inventory, they are having an incredibly difficult time servicing their inventory, whether you're talking about their asset management properties um, or, um, which has been all throughout the news, obviously, um, the issues that they're, they've had historically uh, servicing their, their scattered site homes. And, and the fact is they're in the process right now of trying to shed many of those. Um, I have a property that um, was in my ward, uh, is no longer in my ward, um, but I'm still at that property at least two to three times a week uh, talking to the residents there, et cetera. That would be South Washington Park. Um, we back, dating back to 2016, we have worked incredibly hard uh, as, a, as a body, as respective council members, um, to try to um, enhance, uh, you know, some of the, the you know, management practices and the oversight and uh, at that particular uh, location. We've tried to enhance services from the city of Lansing uh, to support that location. Um, frankly, uh, because of the failures of the Housing Commission, um, we have had people murdered at that property. Uh, as a matter of fact, we've had two shootings within the last two weeks at that particular property, um, and it is simply an unsafe place to live uh, for some of the most vulnerable in our community. Um, so there are um, some systemic failures within the Housing Commission, um, and to be thinking that um, they might be um, any type of partner in this particular development uh, is concerning to me. Uh, Vice President Wood. Thank you, uh, President Hussein. Um, I concur with everything that uh, the uh, President spoke on, and I realize he spoke as an individual and not as uh, the council. Um, how much money will uh, the Lansing Housing Commission uh, receive as part of the development? Of I can't really speak to that because the deferred fee right now is still in question of what it will be. They get a share, a percent share of the fee. Um, I can say this about the commission. Um, I feel for any housing commission across the state, they're working with lots of obsolete building, um, obsolete buildings, older buildings, tough financing, and, 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 and a lot of 
a lot of challenges with HUD in general. Um, and I think your commission does, it's trying to do a very good job. I think they can be a good partner, but if I can just say this to reassure you, um, when we brought them the opportunity to partner, um, we made sure uh, because we will be the guarantor, the actual financially obligated body on this development. Any development that we develop, whether it's with a housing commission, a community action agency, um, you know, a CDC, we've worked with any and all types of not-for-profits, um, we are the financially obligated guarantor of the project, and we are the long-term property manager on the property. So we, while they are our partner, I do want to clarify that we are the property manager and it's our staff that will manage the property and we are um, the managing member who will control the condition and, and uh, what we do and don't do with the property. Where, where do you live, sir? I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. I, I'm here in Lansing, Michigan. Yes. And I'm a stone's throw away from different units that are managed by the Lansing Housing Commission. And we have had numerous issues um, with them. They can give you information on paper that looks good, but I can tell you that this body and the majority of us have been out there at different locations that the Housing Commission has from single family units to multi-units where there have been problems where tenants are not safe, where children cannot play, where seniors have, um, are afraid to come out of their buildings that have been accosted in their parking lots, that have had their doors kicked in on their apartments. So um, what it looks like on paper and what you might be obligated to is different from what we see and have to deal with on a regular basis. Thank you. Uh, Councilwoman Oh, did you not have your hand up? Oh, I apologize. Okay, fantastic. Um, Councilman Daniels. Yeah, uh, thank you for coming. I would just like to reiterate uh, exactly what they've said. Um, you know, I know that uh, you went and you said that you've edited them and you can find these things on paper. Um, and I actually don't know how far into this process you are and whether or not you could hypothetically look at other partners, but the uh, the promises that you're making and in the situation that you're talking about, I don't know if it's necessarily feasible with the Lansing Housing Commission. And I hope that um, you're able to take another look at that. All right, do we have other questions, comments? All right, seeing none, we appreciate you two being here. Thank you. Okay, our next uh, presentation is on uh, payment in lieu of, I'm sorry, yes, payment in lieu of taxes for Hillsdale Place. Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, this is a, we're having a public hearing tonight. Um, this is the Griffin Group. Come down and, oops. And it's, um, it's 40 units, 20 of those reserved for supportive services with the assistance from Community Mental Health and Advent House. Um, this is on 1020 West Hillsdale. Um, they initially applied for a 10% pilot, but now are here for a 4% pilot. And with that, Ms. Kimmel. Hi. Hello. So we are here to talk about, 
Can I stop you just for a moment? Of Is course. the mic on? Yes. Okay, can you just pull it in just a little bit? Yes, Thank I you so can. Much. Yep. Okay, great. So we are here to talk about Hillsdale Place. They are requesting a 4% pilot for 45 years. They do already have a 10% pilot on this property. Um, and they are building four two-story buildings that will house 40 units of safe, healthy, affordable housing. And it will be a combination of one, two, and three bedroom apartments. And currently, um, while the parcel that they're going to be building on is 1020 Hillsdale, that is a city-owned parcel. We have owned that parcel since 1999, so it currently doesn't generate any property taxes, and it actually costs the city money to maintain it. Um, with the pilot in place, um, there will be approximately almost $17,000 in revenue generated for the city. So I'm gonna turn it over to the developer. Hey, good evening. I'm Tim Hovey with Griffin Group. Uh, develop and build affordable and market rate housing uh, all around the state of Michigan. We have 30-some projects uh, within the state, uh, ranging from uh, Kalamazoo uh, up to the UP uh, locally. Uh, we just finished up 100 units down in Holt. Uh, we have uh, 40 units of senior down in Eaton Rapids. We have 60 units of senior in East Lansing, 64 units out in DeWitt. Uh, so, uh, although we're around the state, we are very invested within within the community. Uh, originally, I'm from. I grew up, was born in Lansing area. I uh, went to Michigan State, uh, moved back to, to Dewitt, uh, where I graduated high school from, um, and now recently I just moved out to a Bath. So I, I am local, um, and uh, I am invested in the area, and, and I'm, I'm happy to be looking at doing more housing within your community. Uh, what we're looking at doing is uh, 40 units, as, as Barb mentioned, uh, all affordable. 20 of those units will be uh, for uh, homeless. We have uh, project-based voucher units that are tied to 20 of those units. Uh, the other 20 will be affordable, up to 60% AMI, um, but will not have uh, vouchers associated with it. We are working with community uh, nonprofits, Advent House uh, and Community Mental Health, uh, are going to be our service providers for that development. So we have a, a, a team of people that are well-versed in the homeless population within your community and uh, will be helping us uh, with those tenants that we'll be uh, providing housing for and, and services associated with that. Um, we set aside uh, roughly $370,000 uh, for uh, the services that are to be provided by those uh, service partners uh, so we can make sure that uh, we have people on site uh, that are, are taking care of the needs of, of this population. And in the Lansing area, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think what the homeless population was several hundred people, is that correct? 3,000, oh, more, more than hundreds, thousands uh, of homeless. So uh, this type of housing is needed within your community. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm here to provide that. Uh, in doing so, in providing this type of housing, uh, there is a need for help in how this is financially structured. Uh, uh, as was mentioned by the previous gentleman, um, the economics lately with inflation are causing issues on cost uh, of housing. So um, yeah, there is a, a gap that's being, uh, that we're realizing in the financing structure that we need help uh, you know, with funding. And uh, additionally, we had interest rates jump a point on us uh, for our financing package on this development. And uh, the, 
that means that we can't borrow as much money because we're paying a higher, higher interest rate in order to keep our uh, debt service at the same level. So uh, what we can do to, to lower that is drop our operating expenses, and uh, that's what we're looking uh, to do here uh, is go from a 10% pilot to a 4% pilot to drop our operating expenses um, so as our revenue, uh, you know, is, is going to be the same. And, uh, you know, due to inflation, the cost and the higher interest rates, our, our operating costs are going up. So we need help in dropping that. That's why we're back before you. So. All right. And Ms. Drosty, did you have anything to add? No? All right. Do we have uh, questions or comments? We'll first go to Councilman Brown and then Vice President Wood. Thank you, President Hussain. I was just wondering, where uh, are you getting the project-based vouchers from for this? Through the Michigan State Housing Development Authority, MISHTA. All right, Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussain. Um, my first question is, do you have any other partners that um, we should know about? Uh, no, I'm, I'm the... Uh, uh, It'll be an LLC that's formed. I'm the managing member. Uh, I am the uh, uh, the only other uh, partner that'll be involved. The only other member will be the investor that comes in to buy the tax credits. So, uh, for all intents and purposes, it's really me, just me, no other partners. Okay. Um, and uh, who will be managing um, this? We have uh, Medallion Management that we're working with. They're out of uh, Kalamazoo. Uh, they have, are currently doing the hundred uh, managing the hundred units that we have down in Holt, which is also um, a project-based voucher housing. We have 20 of the 66 units in Phase One in Presswick Village uh, that has uh, uh, housing for the homeless. Uh, so they are well versed in uh, management of not only affordable housing, market housing, but housing for um, uh, for the homeless or victims of domestic violence, so on. So. Um, yeah, medallion management out of Kalamazoo, so I'm using. Okay. And um, what is the longest piece of property um, development that you've, you've owned? So I graduated college back in 96. Uh, first development I put together was in 98. Uh, that's down in Three Rivers, Michigan, uh, called Woodbrook Senior Homes. Uh, I still own that. Uh, that was financed through uh, rural development. Um, and uh, we do have some MISHTA funds involved with uh, that one as well. We have a 4% pilot uh, on that development. We still own it, um, and uh, we're getting ready to rehab it. So, so you're going back to MISHTA for, an, uh, for another loan for that? Yeah, we're going to re-up, and I think, as the previous okay. gentleman mentioned. Which will lengthen the time of the pilot. Correct. Yep. Okay. That's just my Councilwoman. Thank you. All right. Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about um, the homeless aspect. So how do you, who do you get your referrals from? How does that work? You want to take this one? <laughs> so there are two different target populations in the um, supportive housing in this deal. Uh, tw 10 of the units will be targeted specifically for the top 10% most in need in the community, and those will be referred out from the local um, housing assessment resource 
um, organization, which is a part of the COC. They have a committee that actually sits in and looks at all of the homeless population that they have in their HMIS system to determine who would be the most in need that would be eligible to be tenants in the property. So they will be refer referring all of the people into those 10 units. The other 10 units will be referred in by other COC support service organizations. Um, because lead service agencies are CMH and Advent House, as a unit becomes available, they will send out notifications to the COC members who will then be asked to help clients that they have apply. Sorry. Is it temporary housing or is it long-term housing? What is it? It's long-term. They will be required to sign a minimum of a year's lease and have the ability to renew their leases and live there as long as they qualify. All right. Do we have other, other questions or comments? All right. The only, the only thing I'll say just for, you know, anybody in the audience and different developers we've had up, there questions I have come from uh, Councilwoman Wood, and I think what she's trying to get at um, is this, there seems to be this trick of the trade um, when it comes to pilots in that um, we take less taxes and the social contract between us and the developer is that with us taking less taxes um, and potentially being able to provide less services, frankly, the idea is that you're going to invest that money into your property to make sure that that uh, property remains appropriate through the life of the pilot. And it seems uh, at the end of whether it be 25 or 35 or 45 years, um, it seems we are always asked, once again, to consider a pilot, and a lot of times it's because those properties um, have been um, let go, frankly, and maintenance has been deferred. Um, and so we are right back at the same spot, um, and, and it, it, it seems like a windfall for the developer, frankly. Um, so with that being said, um, and with no other questions or comments, we appreciate you guys being here. Thank you. Yeah, do you mind if I make a comment on that? or? Is that very very quickly? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just you know, this that is a, a big issue, um, and we are required as developers to put reserves uh, aside that, uh, that at the beginning of the project and also annually going forward uh, to take care of any of those maintenance maintenance needs. But that doesn't cover everything. After you know, 25 years, 30 years, there are things that the, that reserve can't cover, and you really need to go back through the affordable housing program to get funds, you know, to be able to uh, address those those bigger need uh, issues. But, but, but I do appreciate you recognizing that that concern, generally speaking, has merit. Oh, absolutely, and we see this in you know in other communities and. You know, the, the, the good thing when you're working with uh, programs that are funded through the State Housing Development Authority, let's say, not that I would, but let's say that you had an owner that didn't take care of their property. Uh, the city, if they said, hey, you need to get a you know, new roof on that or, you know, the sidings, you need new siding or whatever it may be, uh, doors getting kicked in, you need new doors. Uh, and I, as a developer, say, ah, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, you can uh, go to the authority. Authority will take a look at it, Mishta, and they'll come out and, they'll, and if they agree that yes, that absolutely needs to be addressed, they will dip into the funds and take me out of the loop on that. So there's protection for the community with that. So it is a big concern, and uh, I understand it fully what you're saying. All right, thank you. We appreciate that. Thanks so much. Thank you. And our uh, final. Presentation is item six, the uh, OPRA certificate for 700 May Street, Summit Street development. All right. Councilwoman Spitzman. Thank you, Mr. President. I apologize for that. Um, 
what we have before us is a rezone request, a public hearing for rezone request for 700 May Street. Um, this is um, property located near Motor Wheel Lofts. Um, it is a vacant, uh, it is a rehab of a vacant manufacturing site to create 134 workforce development housing units. Um, so do you want to start, Carl? Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> Good evening. Uh, I'm Carl Dorsch. Is that too loud? I'm Carl oh, Dorschmer, and I have with me Harry Hepler and uh, Steve Purchase of H Inc. And um, the reason we're here tonight is for the public hearing on Summit Street Development LLC's their application for a 12-year Oprah tax abatement for their $12 million residential development at the Pruden Center. And uh, the Oprah tax break, break will allow the project to go forward because without the Oprah, it, it, it doesn't make economic sense to the developer. It's a challenging building. It's an old industrial building. And, um, you know, Harry and Steve have, you know, have faced a lot of challenges over the year to, to make that building work. It, yeah, it's, it's a tough building, but um, they've been very clever and they've come up with another, I think, really good idea. Um, the property is currently generating about 53,000 of taxes per year, of which the city collects about 13,500. So not a whole lot of tax revenue currently coming from the building that the, the portion of the building where the project takes place. Um, but that revenue stream will continue during the life of the Oprah because the base value stays the same. The Oprah is only enjoyed on the increase in value as a result of the, de the developer's investment in the property. So, and additionally, the uh, Oprah does not abate the state education tax or the school operating taxes. So the developer will also pay an additional about 68,000 per year in, in uh, school taxes. And uh, even, even with the Oprah tax abatement and the, the tax savings to the developer from the Oprah will be an estimated $200,000 per year. And then of that 200,000, about 74,000 re represents city property taxes. So, um, and again, that is on the increase in value as a result of them investing $12 million into the property. Also, they estimate about 200 people will live in the, in the residential development. And uh, I estimate about Half of those would be new to the city, and I think that's a conservative estimate. And then based on that, um, I, I believe the city will, will uh, collect an additional about $42,000 per year in city income tax from those new residents. And then, so w when you put those two revenue sources together, even with the OPRA, the city is gonna collect about 55,500, which when you compare that to the 13,500, the it's about $42,000 per year in increase, even with the Oprah. So there's a slight increase there. And, and they do pay the, the other taxes, the state education and the school operating taxes. So, you know, over the life of the Oprah, the city, you know, gains an estimated about $500,000 when you look at it over a 12-year period. And then, of course, after the Oprah expires in year 13, then they pay the full rate, right? And at that point, the city will collect about $130,000 per year off this particular property, you know, versus the 13,000 that are currently being collected. So, you know, even with the Oprah, 
The city comes out ahead financially, both during and after the Oprah expires, and obviously in the long run, you know, it, this, the Oprah is, is a tool to encourage private investment into obsolete buildings, older buildings, contaminated buildings, to get them more valuable, to keep them on the tax rolls, and, and increase their value, and also attract additional business and residents to the city. So. Um, now I'll turn it over to uh, Harry and Steve, and they're going to give a little detail in terms of the actual project in details. So, Harry, Steve, yeah, thank you. Um, good evening, uh, Mayor and Council Members. Um, uh, I think it's important to address uh, Prudent Wheel as a site. Uh, it's a 25-acre site that I acquired uh, with Summit Street Development back in 1997. Uh, that sat vacant for more than 25 years, boarded up. Um, this site was played with what's called physical obsolescence, which means it had no frontage to any of the 25 acres. It was taken away by design by M43, which is a one-way Saginaw Highway, and M43 Oakland on the other side. And the only way to access the property was to, if you can make your car float or hover, uh, you could get to it, or you could cut through uh, a neighborhood uh, that's uh, just off from North Penn, or you could cut through a neighborhood off of one-way street on North Larch. Um, over those from 1955 to the 1970s, uh, Motor Wheel, who resided in the, in the Prudent Wheel building, um, caused great degradation to those neighborhoods uh, by running three shifts of trucks and trailers and, and industrial sites and trains and whatnot. Um, we came to the City Council back in 1998 and requested uh, that we use some North Precinct funds to use a match fund to give up some property and to create a road called Prudent Street. Uh, by creating this Prudent Street Road, we were able to take away the physical obsolescence to the 25 acres and turn this property back into a viable part of the community. Um, this was uh, has been Nothing but a great success for the previous council members and mayor uh, at the time, and uh, with efforts of many, uh, it's, uh, we promised about $225,000 in property taxes today with Prudent Place and Motor Wheel and the Prudent Tech Center where there's office space next to this particular site. Uh, this property produces more than $440,000 in property taxes. Um, so it's been a great success. Uh, we're very proud of it. And uh, with that said, we have struggled through different economic times, such as the 08 crisis, when we were getting ready to target this 70,000 square feet in space. And uh, there was a great setback. Um, and then again, uh, in 2014, where we had the space leased and the tenant uh, reneged on the lease and pulled away. Um, and then again with COVID. Um, it was targeted for 70,000 square feet of office space. I went back to some of my old notes uh, about creating a community within that space and came up with this design of the cottages at Prudent Wheel. Um, we believe that this is the best use for this old industrial space. Um, it's the most creative use for the space. It will take away 70,000 square feet of office, vacant office space that's currently at a little over 800,000 square feet of current vacant office space in the downtown central business district. Uh, by taking this 70,000 square feet away, we will reduce the vacancy. Arguably, it's around 25%, and 
and that will reduce it closer to 20 or 21 percent. Um, that number is, you know, it can vary depending on who you talk to. But certainly we have more than enough office space um, and it doesn't need to compete with a central business district. By converting this industrial space into uh, uh, for, what we call workforce housing is a little different than what we've heard here tonight. Our workforce housing is uh, supported by traditional bank financing and is market price. Um, and what we've done in our design is to create a space that is about 400 to 500 square feet. They're all one bedrooms or one bedroom with lofts. Um, they're designed for the young professionals, whether it be uh, RNs or residents at Sparrow, whether it be new hires at Neogen in their new factory, uh, whether it be for people who are working downtown in, in a new career uh, that are coming from MSU and have decided to make uh, Lansing their home. This is their first step into their own space uh, where they can call home. Um, by shrinking this, the footprint down to 400 to 500 square feet, we then can create a large common area within this industrial space that you may see pictures behind me that are rotating uh, through, um, which is about 20,000 square feet of common area that has plants that we're going to be sequestering rainwater and feeding those plants uh, with roof rainwater that we're sequestering in an old um, nuclear fallout tunnel because when this building was built in 1958, it had to have a nuclear fallout tunnel. We have since turned, we, we have earmark that tunnel to basically hold all the rainwater that comes off the roof and then utilize that through what they call purple line to flush toilets uh, to irrigate those plants and those plants will create abundant fresh air inside that facility so it's important that we create a high level of breathable air inside there um, not because it has any contamination more because we want the presence of that common area space to feel more like the outdoor space um, so there'll be water running through there, uh, circulated off that particular uh, cistern, and then feeding those plants and, and flushing toilets. Now, flushing toilets is a concern. You've heard about people talk about utilities today. I heard you talk about board and water and light. By sequestering this water and using it through a purple line, that will reduce the utility usage, uh, which has an impact on the tenant. Uh, by having a building that is, covers these uh, living units, we are, the tenants are going to spend far less in utility bills. We estimate 50% less than the similar square footage where the building would be outside and taking on the elements such as direct sunlight um, or direct wind or cold or northerly wind or that sort of thing. So I'm happy to run through any of these photographs if you have questions. Um, this is not unsimilar to what we did uh, back in, in, let's see, it would be, I have to go back uh, 2005 we came to you with motor wheel and we asked for a neighborhood enterprise zone we created 119 condos and pushed it into a neighborhood enterprise zone it has since left that program and uh, went from $32,000 a year to today paying approximately I think about 190 or approximately $200,000 a year in property taxes so motor wheel is a very productive uh, part of the city and then we also brought Pat Gillespie in prior to Motor Wheel, and we had a really difficult time convincing people that, mostly finance people, that people would live in Motor Wheel when we built it. Um, so we promoted Pat Gillespie to come across the railroad tracks on the western side of the railroad tracks and sold him those five acres and made him a part of our brownfield. 
So we he helped co-develop that. Once that took place in 2005, we were able to pull financing and go forward with Motorwheel because we were able to prove that people would live uh, on this urban island, if you will, sandwiched between M43 and US 27. Um, so we've had a great success, and we would appreciate if uh, council members and, and the mayor would consider this support. Uh, all right, Mr. Purchase, do you have anything to add? I don't, I don't think so, no, all right. everybody will. Uh, questions or comments, council colleagues, Vice President Wood. Carrie, how many um, units uh, from Prudent Place right now are rented? Uh, Prudent Place is Pat Gillespie's, and the last I saw it, Motorville. it was. I'm sorry. That's okay. I last, we'll, we'll, I'll talk about Prudent Place versus 97 percent, and right now Motor Wheel is sitting at 98 percent. Okay. All right. Do we have other questions, comments? All right. Seeing none, we appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we are to comments by council members on the city clerk. Uh, do we have council com okay, comments? Uh, Councilwoman Spitzen. Thank you, Mr. President. I just wanted to let folks know, and I put it on my Facebook page, that in the United States, um, we have done our millionth organ transplant. And, you know, how important that is, particularly um, African Americans who don't um, historically uh, donate and, and, and subscribe to donate organs. And we've had people here in the city of Lansing, brave um, loved ones who have, who have um, made those difficult choices to um, donate um, organs of their loved ones. And so, you know, as, as I looked at that this morning, I thought it was just a good thing to, to remind people and to let people know um, about the benefit of organ donation. I know it's kind of a, a macabre thing to think about, but it saves so many lives. And for people, you know, we know people right now that are that are waiting for kidneys or waiting for hearts. Um, it's important to just think about that, and and it and it's just a, a box check on your license that you're willing to do that, um, and and to be a candidate for organ donation. And so I just wanted to bring that to bear that, um, you know, we we have had our millionth um, organ donation, and and uh, the first one was a, a, a brothers who. Um, one of the brothers was dying and the brother donated his kidney to the other brother and I think they were twins and they were, it was a perfect match and that gave their brother, I think he was 23, and gave him eight more years of life because of that organ donation. And so I'm sure his brother thought that was well worth it. So as we think about that, um, I just ask you to consider organ donation. Thank you. All right, are there other council member comments? Uh, council member Daniels. Thank you, President Hussein. I just have a couple of things. One, the Eastside Neighborhood Meeting, uh, Eastside Neighborhood Organization Meeting is this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Um, and then this Saturday, September 10th, uh, from 4 to 10 p.m. Uh, at the Fledge is the Fledge Foundation Garden Party Fundraiser. Uh, and if you don't know anything about the Fledge, uh, I'm sorry? Oh, it was last Saturday. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, anyway, well, that, I'm, I'm done. That's just what happened. <laughs> Not a problem. Are there others? Yeah, I, yeah, okay. Um, very quickly, um, I want to first thank uh, folks that came out to uh, our constituent contact meeting in the third ward um, this, this past Saturday. Um, as usual, Southwest Lansing showed up in droves. It was a, a very well-attended meeting. Uh, we discussed a number of issues that are pertinent to Southwest Lansing. Um, frankly, things that 
Um, we've been attacking a long time, um, and we're finally starting to see a little bit of traction. Um, and and it was it was a fantastic conversation. The other aspect of the conversation um, was some of the really good things um, that are happening behind the curtain, uh, money that's being plunked down, as an example, um, into the dirt in Southwest Lansing, or getting ready to be plunked down. Um, economic development, job growth, uh, and the like. We actually have uh, Carl, Carl Dorschmer here from LEDC. I want to thank Carl um, and his team. They were well represented at that meeting, um, and they're doing a lot of incredible work uh, over in Southwest Lansing, so we certainly appreciate uh, you all, your work, uh, and I want you guys to know that Southwest Lansing recognizes that, and we appreciate it. Um, we also had a number of area representatives um, that were on hand to be part of the discussion. You know who you are. Um, thank you. We appreciate you being there. Um, our next two constituent contact meetings, uh, we always, in, in the third ward, hold our meetings the second Saturday of every month from 10 to 12 noon. Uh, so we will have one on October 8th from 10 to 12 noon, and that will be at the Elfrida Schmidt Southside Community Center. We actually meet in the Sandy Allen Room. Uh, again, that's 10 to 12 noon. And then we'll meet again on November 12th, uh, 10 to 12 noon at 5825 Wise Road, which is Elfrida Schmidt Southside Community Center. Uh, so we would uh, love to have you. You don't necessarily have to live in Southwest Lansing to come. Uh, we do address Southwest, that, that is the hyper-focus, but we certainly uh, take a look at um, issues that impact the, the broader community as well. Um, uh, the mayor and I talked earlier today um, about 927 South Washington. Uh, we have gotten a number of, and I know uh, Mr. Daniels has uh, as well, we've gotten a number of complaints uh, with regards to that particular building. Um, we have met folks um, actually out on site uh, to talk about uh, the specific issues that they have with that particular building. Um, this is a multi-storied uh, residential building that has uh, been dormant for quite some time. And um, the mayor has assured me, uh, and I just want to provide this as an update for some folks that might be paying attention, um, that the concerns have not fallen on deaf ears, that there's been quite a bit of enforcement at that particular location. There are things we can and can't do, um, but they are going to continue to explore uh, the tools in the toolbox. Uh, my understanding is the mayor is going to talk to our city attorney uh, about maybe some things that we could potentially do uh, with provisions that are allowed for uh, per state statute. Um, but I wanted to make sure that folks knew that uh, we, are, we are actively working that particular property. And then lastly, with regards to transparency, um, I promised uh, an update at the last meeting uh, in terms of particularly committee meetings um, and the, uh, the live broad, I should say live streaming of those uh, the archiving of those. Um, and so we do have an update to provide you. Uh, Vice President Wood, uh, myself, Dominic Cochran of City Media, as well as uh, Sherry Boak, who is our office manager, uh, we've, been, we've been working uh, this issue uh, to try to, at least with the budget that we have in place and the staffing that we have in place now, um, to do something to increase transparency with regards to the committees. Um, and so we actually had Dominic come in. He took inventory of the equipment that we actually have in the room behind us. That is where all of the uh, committee meetings actually take place. Um, we were hoping that we had the equipment in place. We actually do not have the equipment in place. Um, we had to purchase, or I should say lease a camera. There's the potential of having to purchase an additional camera. Uh, and then there's actually operating infrastructure uh, that we had to purchase as well. Um, those, uh, those agreements have been put in place. The equipment has actually been um, shipped. We're expecting uh, the equipment to arrive this Wednesday. Uh, we will have city media up to the 10th floor on Friday. Um, they will install, um, they will work with the equipment, make sure that it's operating, um, and hopefully uh, by next week, um, the following week at the very latest, uh, we should be able to begin um, actually live streaming uh, those committee meetings, archiving those committee meetings, and adding some measure of transparency to our committee meetings. So uh, we're excited about that. Um, I want to specifically thank uh, the public uh, for your advocacy 
I want to thank uh, Dominic Cochran uh, with City Media. He's been fantastic. And then also our office manager, Sherry Boak, who has been incredible as well. All right. Uh, that being said, clerk's vote. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. Just a couple things briefly. Um, first, I want to welcome our uh, intern, uh, new intern for this uh, next few months. Uh, Jason Gillespie in the back has been helping folks sign in, so welcome, Jason. Uh, thank you for joining us. Today was his first day in the office, so he's uh, trial by fire with the council meeting. Um, and then I also want to mention that we did mail out absentee ballot applications to folks who have not applied for a ballot. Again, those are only applications. If you do not want to vote by absentee ballot, you do not need to return it. If you do wish to, you can use that, or uh, there are other uh, ways that you can get an absentee ballot, or you can vote in your polling place on election day. Uh, and there will be more information to, to come on all of those options as we're uh, a few weeks away from the election. Uh, after, uh, I, I guess the next keystone date is the 29th, which is when we will uh, be mailing out the uh, ballots, the actual ballots, to folks who have requested them by a couple of days before that. So uh, watch uh, by the, uh, around the 1st of October for a ballot to arrive at home if you have requested one. And with that, we are to community event announcements. Uh, for community events, you can just uh, hop up and we'll give you up to one minute to tell us the uh, nature uh, and details of your event. Mark your calendars now for the annual fall walking tour for the Friends of Lansing's Historic Cemeteries. This year's tour, Sunday, September 25th in Mount Hope Cemetery at 3 p.m. is Ghosts, Ghouls, and Graveyards. We have been collaborating with the Capital Area Paranormal Research Society of Michigan, a professional genealogist and the author of Haunted Lansing. The paranormal group will be explaining and displaying equipment used in ghost hunting. Our genealogist will be sharing intriguing relationships among multiple murder victims buried in the cemetery. And the author will be signing and selling her book, which is largely the inspiration for the tour. All of them will be participating in the tour itself as well. This is scheduled from 3 to 5 p.m. For this tour, parental discretion is advised as this one may not be appropriate for young children. The tour is free and open to the public. There will be light refreshments at the intermission. Join us as we explore the haunting history in this iconic cemetery. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, additional? Hi, Shannon Norris. Um, two things. One, uh, the public is invited to the Fledge um, every opposite Monday of uh, city council meetings. We have a meeting for, it's called the People's Council, and if anybody wants to meet us there at 7 p.m., uh, all people are welcome to discuss any issues about the city. Uh, secondly, um, on Wednesday the 14th, Friends of Bancroft Park is meeting at Bancroft Park at 5.30, and then we'll be headed over from the park at 5.30 to uh, go over to Foster Center um, for the uh, City Parks Board meeting, which starts at 6.30. Um, one thing that will be discussed, of course, is uh, input on uh, the proposal of a driving range at Bancroft Park. Um, so we hope we get a lot of people out uh, to make their uh, needs known. Thank you. 
Thank you. And seeing no one else, we'll move on to speaker registration for public comment on legislative matters. Uh, legislative matters is items 7 through 25 on the agenda, although uh, it's, I'm made aware that item 25 will not be acted on tonight, uh, but it is on the printed agenda, so items 7 through 25. Uh, we'll give you about another minute to jump up and uh, sign up with Jason. And uh, in the meantime, we're to the mayor's comments. All right. Mayor Shore. All right, thank you, Mr. President. Um, I have a variety of things, so I'll go quick. Um, first, I want to congratulate Lansing native Carol Hutchins on her retirement as softball coach at U of M, the winningest softball coach in college history. And she is an Everett grad, in case anybody's wondering. Uh, the field is named after her. People sometimes forget. They remember Magic Johnson. They remember a few others. They forget that the winningest college softball coach played right here in Lansing at Everett. So um, go Vikings. Um, I also want to thank everybody who was involved in our 9-11 uh, ceremony yesterday. It was incredible. It rained, so we had to move it indoors for the first time. But uh, our uh, fire chief was great. Our uh, assistant police chief was great. We had some uh, young ladies who sang. Um, it was uh, just an incredible ceremony as it is every year. So I um, thought about it afterwards. We probably should have recognized uh, all the, the, uh, the folks who, who died um, at 9-11 21 years ago, which is hard to believe. But um, something to think about and, and share, but thank you to everybody who participated in the city event. Uh, we've had a lot of great things going on in Lansing. Uh, we had the Cesar Chavez Fiesta. Um, on Friday and Saturday, so Old Town uh, in that lot was packed. So thank you for everybody who made that happen. Um, DLI had their volunteer and business awards night, which again was packed downtown. Um, Neogen, our one of our wonderful businesses, uh, their project to uh, for their $71.5 million new three-story manufacturing and research building downtown uh, received $324,000 from the state from the Michigan Business Development Program, so that's great. This is gonna create 77 new jobs as well as retain 350 jobs. And again, it's $71.5 million of investment right here in our city, an international company, which is fantastic. Um, finally, I will mention uh, and thank our staff. We had our employee appreciation night. Thank you to all of our city employees. We had about 1,000 people at, uh, at the Lugnuts uh, to watch the game and to, to be appreciated. So. Um, thank you to all of our city employees. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the food was good, to just being able to get out and chat and then celebrating those who have been here for um, 30 years and 20 years uh, on the field was, was a lot of fun. We have a lot of cool things coming up. Uh, this weekend, Friday and Saturday in Old Town, we have Blues Fest, um, September 17th. The AARP is at Lansing's Fit Lot for Grandparents Day from 1 to 4 p.m. Uh, and you can pre-register through the AARP. The Turning Point of Lansing has their kickoff meeting uh, this Sunday, September 18th, 4 p.m. at the Harry Hill Vocational Center Auditorium. Uh, African American boys in seventh through 12th grades uh, are invited to be there. Uh, we have our Capital City River Run on Sunday morning. I will be running as will my wife, um, Councilman Jack. No, not this year. Every year I get beat by Councilman Jackson. So this year, one less person to beat me, um, but that should be a lot of fun. Um, I think it was mentioned in Committee of the Whole on September 20th, the Board of Water and Light has a resource fair at Let's from 1 to 5 p.m. And September 21st, the Board of Water and Light has a resource fair at the Schmidt Center from 4 to 8 p.m., uh, both incredible resources for Lansing residents. Uh, Mikey 23 has their foundation gala. 
um, Friday, September 23rd. Um, uh, September 23rd and 24th also is AfroFest downtown. Um, we have our next farmer's market at the Capitol on Thursday the 29th. And then finally, um, October 1st will be the opening for our neighborhood grants. Uh, that's when our grants applications go live and it'll be open for a few months. Uh, and then anybody who wants a neighborhood grant can work with our neighborhood advisory board. We have some extra dollars this year due to ARPA, so we're gonna put some dollars into the neighborhoods and that's gonna be exciting. So we look forward to all the proposals. Thank you, Mr. President. I'm sorry, very quickly, can you repeat the date that goes live? The, it goes live October 1st. And I think it's supposed to be open until, it may be open until March 1st. I think they were giving an extra month this year so that way we can make sure to help out groups with different projects. And I can send that, that to anyone. I know I went fast, but I don't wanna to take too much more time. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, thank you. Okay, uh, we are to public comment on legislative matters, and first I'll indicate some written communications that we've received that'll be made part of the record. Um, we have a letter from Timothy Schumacher against Z2 of 2022. Uh, we have a letter from Brandon Carlson um, opposing Z3 of 2022. Uh, another letter from Ann Ribby opposing Z3 of 2022. 2022. Um, we have a letter from Nancy uh, Malo um, in opposition to the pilots and Oprah, and uh, another communication from Don Dean with the same position on the pilots and Oprah, and a letter from Julianne, Julianne Vuitton um, expressing concerns about the uh, pilots and Oprah as well as the millage. And then our first uh, speaker here with us tonight is Rachel Kiani, uh, followed by Loretta Stanaway. And uh, you folks here have up to three minutes. Hold on one second, I'm sorry. Councilwoman Spitzley. Oh yes, absolutely. So I, I remember the conversation in, in operations, so absolutely um, bring your interpreter up to the, to the podium. And we certainly appreciate both of you being here. Okay, I think ပြီးတဲ့အတွင်းအားလုံးကိုကြည့်စုတိနဲ့အမ်တိနဲ့ကျမအယူဆုံးပြောချင်တာကကျမတော့ဘာမှာပြင်ပါအရင်ကြီး
So I am here asking that um, to at least reduce my fine, my payments, uh, because for me, even 50 or $100 is very much uh, for me. All right, and because of the special circumstances, I do want to just stop very quickly. Um, she was speaking to number 21. Uh, Councilman Spitzley, did you want to add anything? Um, I was just going to say the same thing, and thank you, uh, Councilmember uh, President Hussein. Um, they're talking about claim appeal number 1984, which is on resolutions for action. 1894, thank you. Um, resolutions for action at $610 in trash fees at 5736 Laporte Drive. Um, it was basically a couch that was on the curb, um, and um, it was it was on the curb for a while, and they and it was picked up by the city of Lansing, and they are charged $660, and so she's here to appeal that that charge. All right, thank you. All right, uh, clerks will. Okay, our next speaker is Loretta Stanaway, followed by um, Hamid, uh, Hamid Kowatsi. Okay, I'm going to echo what some of the letters that you received that weren't read into the record and are just filed away where people have a hard time seeing what was said in those letters. Um, I do not support the, any of the uh, pilots or the Oprah simply because, although they sound like good projects, we cannot afford them. If we have financial issues, we have to pare our budgets down and reach a point where we can afford what we're trying to do. They need to do the same thing. If their projects are not feasible at the levels that they want to get these OPRAs for or these project pilots for, they need to trim them back. Trim them back to where they are feasible and get us off of the hook for private, private profit to private developers. The, the citizens cannot afford to pad the developers' pockets any longer. We couldn't afford in the first place, but we certainly can't afford it any longer. So if they can't trim them back to a point where they can afford them, scaling them down now, and then expanding later as changes occur that make them more feasible to add on or to increase them, then they shouldn't build them. That's all there is to it. Um, and talking about the housing needs, I sat here last time and listened to a lot of conversation about how we house people or don't, how we stack up the poor and low income into buildings where they're warehoused and their facilities aren't up to par and their lifestyle is, is lacking. Yet we don't think in ways that are creative and could change things in a more substantive way. Now I know there are legal hurdles to this, but just as an example of thinking outside of the box that we could be doing that we don't do, McLaren vacated all of that property on Washington and, and um, Greenlawn. There's acres and acres and acres of vacant land essentially there at this point in time. Somebody could come in, buy that up, tear everything down, tear everything out, and create an entire new subdivision. You could put 75, 80, 100 brand new homes in that footprint 
generating new taxes, new property taxes, new students for the school system, new workers paying uh, income taxes, all kinds of different things could better that space than having it sit there as it has been or waiting for someone like Child and Family Services as a nonprofit to take it over and pay no taxes still or the Veterans Administration or whoever's being discussed at the latest round of conversations. The conversation earlier tonight was that the existing pilots, 28 existing pilots, cost us on average $2.7 million a year. The pilots that were being requested by the stadium lofts double that nearly, double that to four something per million per year in lost income. Thank you. Um, next is Hamid Katawatsi, uh, followed by Farhan uh, Sheikh Omar. Yes, good evening, everyone. Yes, thanks for giving me chance tonight. Yeah, I'm talking about that Wells, uh, Hillsdale Street, 1017 uh, West Hillsdale. So, which is the trash of the $2,215 for my property. Uh, and I, I had a tenant there for almost two years, and which he was working with me, and I just helped them. And they were there, and I saw a notice, which, is, which was sent by the city, the first notice to the tenant, and he texted me that, uh, the notice, and it was mentioned that it must be clean. I told the tenant, and you have to clean that uh, trash from the outside. And at the same time, I had the inspection from the city of Lansing. Hami, I mean, can I stop you just for a second? We had a couple people in the audience that are speaking, and then in addition to that, we're struggling um, hearing you. Could you maybe move the mic up just a little bit? Speak up just a little bit, because I want to make okay. sure that we can hear you. Okay, okay? Sir. okay, sir. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome, sir. Can you hear me now better? Okay. Yes. <clears throat> and at the same time, did you hear up to here? At the same time, I had inspection in my house, and I told my tenant, and the inspe inspector would come, uh, Greg Scramger from the city of Lansing. And he came twice, and he gave me chance, and went there inside. He said, I'm not going to inspect that house because it's very, I'm sorry, it's very dirty. And there was three dogs, which is I allowed only one dog. I have it in the con in the lease. So, and the inside was the same as the outside. I told them, and because of that, eviction was going on, and also it was red tag after that. And the day before, uh, on Thursday, the judge signed the eviction, and I did uh, like my. Uh, application to the court. It was, I, I believe it was in March. I do have that document. So until like the day, until Thursday, I was waiting for that eviction. So yes, uh, on Thursday, on Friday, actually, yeah, uh, I got my house back. And I do have a new video if you want to check that. If you see, it, it's, it might cost me $3,000 to just take all that trash out. So, uh, and also, it's my first time I, I couldn't pay my tax in almost 10 years. 
because of that situation. I paid my property tax, but I could not pay this because of my economy situation. Thank you so much, everyone, for giving me a chance. Thank you, sir. Um, next is Farhan Sheikh Omar, followed by Kyle Richard. Good evening, uh, Farhan Sheikh Omar. Um, first, I think we should grant this uh, lady's uh, appeal. It doesn't cost 600 to pick up a chair, a uh, couch. That's outrageous. You guys are taking advantage of your citizens. So grant her her appeal, please. Um, as far as the pilots go and these big developers, uh, we continue to, sounds like the same thing we've been hearing and seeing for years. Um, I think the most important question you guys should have asked them was, like, what does affordability mean to you? Because a lot of times they come here, they sit there to talk about, oh, we're going to create 40 units of affordable housing uh, for the homeless, for low-income families. But at the end, once they do get that pilot or that tax break, the, those who they're supposed to create for those units, they can't afford it. So we need units that people can afford. We need housing that people can afford. And therefore, we shouldn't just give these folks a big, huge tax breaks before they even do anything for the citizens of Lansing. Um, I think we should treat them the same way that we treat kids. Once you do A, you will get B. So these huge tax breaks that they continue to get without showing us anything year in and year out, and then they come back and then ask for more. I mean, that's a slap in the face. The slap in our face, is that should not be allowed. And so also, Anybody who does business with Lansing Housing Commission, <laughs> that's a red flag. The Lansing Housing Commission is a disgrace. And I mean that. Lansing Housing Commission is a disgrace. What they have done to the citizens of this city, like, it's, it, it, it's a crime. It's really a crime. It's inhumane. It's un-American. It's unacceptable. And it's been going on for years. So for you guys to um, stand up for Lansing residents tonight, that, that's huge. That's really huge. Um, you know, Doug Fleming wants to tell us that he's doing Lansing residents a favor by selling these units uh, in order to create more units for low-income families. That's like telling citizens of this city, hey, we're going to hire more cops, but we're going to get rid of the ones that we currently have. There's a word for that. It's called counterproductive. You don't just get rid of what you already have, the assets that you already have, and then tell us that you're going to create more because it doesn't, it doesn't guarantee anything. How do we know you're going to make sure that the units that you're going to create are up to date when you have shown us for years that you're going to, when you have shown us for years that you have neglected the ones that you currently have, although you've been collecting millions and millions of dollars from the federal government. And so there needs to be more accountability in this city. Um, there needs to be more affordable housing, like truly affordable housing in the city, because there's a lot of people who are homeless, who can't afford things, and they need help. Grant that young woman her uh, appeal, please. Thank you. And our final speaker for this uh, portion is Kyle Richard. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being here tonight. I'm here to speak on items 9, 10, 11, and 12, uh, the pilots and the Oprah. Um, I, I, it was, I appreciate it, and it was nice to see this council uh, have some teeth with land developers and ask ask real questions. I agree about with Farhan on the question of uh, affordability and what that means. Um, 
I especially appreciated the question, uh, Vice President Wood, with regard to uh, where uh, the developer was from. Um, I, I guess pilots for me feel like they feel kind of slimy. They feel kind of uh, like a, a pilot feels like a fancy abbreviation for like not investing in the city of Lansing. Um, and for the Oprah, uh, it it was hard to watch that slideshow and not think of not not see gentrification. Um, we want to bring in young professionals. We want to we want to build a different city is what it sounds like. Um, and I, I would much rather us try to build a city for the people who are here uh, rather than uh, just you know build a city to appease whatever this is. Thank you. Uh, that was our final speaker. So we are to the um, referral of the public hearings. Uh, number one, Z2 2022. Uh, development of planning. Uh, number three, or I'm sorry, items uh, eight, Z3 of 22. Development and planning. Item nine, the pilot for uh, north multifamily lots. Development and planning. Uh, lots. Uh, number 10, uh, stadium north senior lofts. Development and planning. Number 11, uh, payment in lieu of taxes for Hillsdale Place. Development and planning. And number 12, uh, the Oprah for Summit Street Development. Development and planning. Okay, we are to um, ordinances for passage. Um, we have an ordinance of the City of Lansing, Michigan, providing for the rezoning of a parcel of real property located in the City of Lansing, Michigan, and for the revision of the district maps adopted by Section 1246.02 of the Code of Ordinances, Z1-2022-109 East Randolph Street from R6A Urban Detached Residential to RAR Residential Adaptive Reuse is read a second time by its title. The ordinance was reported from the Committee on Development and Planning and is on the order of immediate passage. Councilwoman Spisley. Thank you, Mr. President. So what we have before us is a, and I apologize, earlier I said that that was a motion for rezoning. It wasn't, it was an Oprah, so I do apologize for that misspeak. But what we do have before us now is a rezoning from R6A, Urban Detached Residential, to R-AR, Residential Adaptive Use, um, and this is for 109 East Randolph. What it is now is it is a, um, uh, a 17, I'm sorry, yes, it's a 16-bed convent. And um, the, the, uh, Mr. Hicks, the developer, wants to turn it into a residential, um, uh, a residential um, facility for, for the elderly. Um, they, um, it, it's going to be 17 <coughs> beds, but the application says they're asking for 20. And, and the reason why they're, why they're asking for 20 is that there are different categories for licenses. And, and the third category is 13 through 20. And so they ask for 20, but they'll only have um, 16 beds. Um, Let's see. Uh, along with this um, is a variance for parking. Um, there is um, very little parking. Um, and so they're also going to be using the, the uh, street for parking um, and working out a deal with the Catholic Church that 
this facility is adjacent to to utilize some of their parking spaces, particularly during bad weather. One of the concerns that we had was if your um, employees and visitors are, are parking on the street, what happens if there is bad weather and the road has to be plowed? And they did say that they are talking to the um, adjacent uh, church there to uh, get some uh, spaces for parking. Um, I think I'll, um, they did have notices go out for the hearing. Um, there were um, no uh, comments against this rezone in the neighborhood. And with that, I'll move the resolution and the ordinance for passage. All right, so the ordinance has been moved. Uh, is there further discussion? Uh, Vice President Woods. A concern of mine that has been for, for some time is that an applicant can be anyone who has a vested interest in the property that can apply for a rezoning. The problem is that we've all sat here at one time or another having someone come before us with a great idea with lots of promises on what was gonna happen and what would be developed there. Only to have had that property then not be sold to them and the rezoning already um, then taking place. And once that takes place, it doesn't come back to us with another applicant. What happens is that anything that is in that zoning classification then can go there um, so and again I you know we've checked they do have a vested interest because they have um, a, um, a, a, a con they have not purchased it yet but they have a, a contract to purchase it um, so, and the fact that the only person that can add conditions to a rezoning is the applicant. We cannot say to um, the applicant, okay, under conditional zoning, if you don't purchase this, this would revert back. We can't say that. The applicant could, but we can't. And we can't even request them to do it. So, um, I am reluctant to uh, approve this rezoning because of that um, and will be reluctant in the future on other zonings because of of that and and so I just wanted to put that on the record thank you councilwoman Spitzley thank you mr. president I can appreciate that and I, I, I agree with that so if we can't ask um, the if we in committee can't ask the applicant would you consider a conditional zoning a conditional zone then how do we get the message to them to so if we vote this down how do we get the message to him to come back and ask for a conditional zoning Jim the question could is, you and I'm sorry I was no, it's okay You're I fine. was bothering him I, the I question is question the question is if we in committee can't ask the applicant would you consider a conditional zone, zoning? Would you, condition, would you consider con conditional zoning? I, I apologize, my tone. 
how do we get the message, if we vote this down, how do we get the message to the applicant that that he should come back and request a conditional zoning? It has to be gone. You go to the administration and let them talk to the developer because the, the conditional rezoning has to be requested by the applicant. Okay, so, so if we vote this down today, then that's a message to the administration to go back to the applicant and ask them would they consider a conditional zone? Because I, I agree with yeah. you on this. I'm just trying to figure out how we do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the rule is you can't condition it yourself as a legislative body, but if the applicant comes in and requests uh, a conditional rezoning, that makes it legal. Can we ask him, my question, can we ask him in committee would you consider a conditional zone? Can we ask him that in committee? Yeah, I don't see a problem with asking him that question, but he's going to have to request it. Okay. So my, my thing is in the future, whoever is on development and planning, I think that needs to be a question that we ask folks if we have a concern about it. I mean, if we can ask the question, they either, you know, yay or nay. So, I, but I agree with you. I, I have no problem with voting this down so that he can come back with a conditional zone. All right. Are there other further? Uh, I'm sorry. Are there further questions, comments? And and I would agree. Um, and you know, I can speak specifically to Southwest Lansing, but there are a number of uh, developments, a number of businesses, et cetera, in Southwest Lansing that Southwest Lansing didn't necessarily bargain for uh, when a rezone was approved. Um, but unfortunately, um, again, the rezone runs with the property, not the applicant. Um, and when you have, as an example, a purchase agreement that is conditional, or I should say, contingent on a number of issues. Uh, any one of those issues can become a problem, and the purchase agreement falls, uh, you know, falls away, and then you have this in perpetuity, this, this new zoning category, which allows for a whole host of things. Um, and I know that each and every one of us really uh, values the process of public input, but the reality is when we notice these and then we ask for public input, we're asking for public input a lot of times on the development that is being proposed. Um, and so, um, I, so I appreciate the line of questioning, uh, Vice President Wood. Um, with that being said, uh, Clerk Swope, I believe we're ready for a vote. Okay. Uh, Councilmember Hussein? No. Councilmember Jackson? Yes. Councilmember Spadafore? No. Councilmember Spitzley? No. Councilmember Wood? No. Councilmember Brown? No. Councilmember Daniels? No. Uh, one yay, six nays. The ordinance is not adopted. Uh, so we are to the consent agenda. Vice President Wood? Um, I'd like to move um, item 14 off the consent agenda. This is a special land use for that particular property. All right. And if we so, could sorry. handle that first. Okay. So we are going to take up issue number 14 at SLU for 109 East Randolph Street, uh, Councilwoman Spitzley. Just moved it. Yeah, I, I move that, yes. I apologize. All right. Nope, it's all good. Uh, so the item has uh, been moved. This is a special land use for the uh, subject property we just discussed in terms of the rezone. Um, is there further discussion? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed? No. Aye. I missed well, that. That looked like I, I yeah. Yeah. So, so aye is a no. Yeah, can we do that let's, again, let's please? That again. I think people <laughs> may have been rolling. I, think it was I, I need, yeah, yeah. So, I'm sorry. So I, yes I know what I know. I just messed up. So, so a yes vote is yes on the special land use, right? Yes. And a no vote is no on the special land use. So, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. 
All those opposed signify by saying aye. 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 Okay, got it. Uh, the resolution is not adopted, so we are to the remainder of the consent agenda. Vice President Wood. Um, thank you, uh, President Hussein. Um, the consent agenda uh, uh, includes an appointment for Katie Alexander as an at-large member of the planning board for a term to expire June 30th, 2026, an appointment of, I'm sorry, I said appointment, it was a reappointment, a reappointment for Teresa Stokes as the uh, business owner member of the South Martin Luther King Boulevard Corridor Improvement Board of Directors for a term to expire July 30th, 2026, the social district amendment to include the Lansing Hotel Investment LLC, um, a claim appeal um, for Joan um, Brooks for $370, and this was granted in committee. Um, and then the last is to set a public hearing um, for a make safe or demolish uh, for the property located at 2422 Lowcroft. This is a fire damaged um, property and the public hearing would be September 26th. So with that, I would move those resolutions. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. And we're to resolutions for action. We have the appointment of Tamara Carter to the uh, DLI board. Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. Hi, Ms. Carter. Um, come on down. Uh, Ms. Carter is um, a branch manager. She's been the branch manager at Lake Trust Credit Union for several years and um, is very interested in um, downtown and making downtown great. One of the stories she told us is that she, she didn't think she'd be here for this long. And so she just she came down to work for Lake Trust and then here she is and all of a sudden she's a branch manager. Um, she's very active in her church um, and she's very active um, in the downtown um, and um, sees the needs and also the opportunities at the, down, at the revitalization of the downtown. Um, let's see, uh, we're, ex we're excited to have her here. Um, again, she grew up in Grand Rapids, but now she's here and she calls Lansing her home. And with that, I will move the resolution. All right, there is a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Uh, opposed, same sign. Motion carries and congratulations. And, and I'm sorry, this is for business representative member of the Downtown Lansing Inc. I'm struggling. Board for a term to expire June 30th, 2026. I'm struggling. I do solemnly swear. That I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Michigan, and I will faithfully discharge the duties of the Office of Downtown Lansing Inc. Board Member, according to the best of my ability. All right, congratulations. Uh, that takes us to item number 21. Uh, this is a claim appeal, claim number 1894 for Paul Kai. 
in the amount of $600, I'm sorry, $610 in trash fees at 5736 Laporte Drive, Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. I'm just trying to get my notes together here. Okay, so this is, um, this is again, as I said earlier, this is a claim appeal for trash removal. This was a couch that was on um, their uh, curb. Um, they um, were given notice um, on uh, December 1st, 2021. Um, and, uh, yep, December 1st, 2021. Um, and they, um, there's, you can see the couch right there. Um, the um, applicant requesting the appeal came to our committee. Um, they acknowledged that that was their couch. Um, but there's a language barrier, and they didn't really understand what the situation was. Um, and so um, they came to committee um, requesting an appeal. This went before the Claims Review Committee, um, and they upheld, um, they denied her appeal and upheld the charge. Um, I will move this resolution, and then I would like to have a comment on this. So with that, I will move the resolution. The Committee on uh, Government Operations um, denied their claim for appeal. Um, they found that um, all the notices um, were appropriate and that they did receive proper notice. And with that, I will move the resolution. All right, so there is a motion on the floor for the discussion. Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. This troubles me. And, and I'm gonna tell you that it, it troubles me tremendously. Um, it troubles me because, first of all, there's a language barrier. It troubles me, second of all, because they were charged $660 to remove a couch. It troubles me because had we taken another moment, um, we could have called public services or our own city trash and had it removed for $35. So my concern is that while it may not have been um, their job to tell the residents that there was a better way I am concerned that you know we could have put a tag on there and and had and called public service our own department and had them pick that couch up for $35 and so I can't in good conscience support this um, because we, we could have done better here and as a city government I think that we we are obligated to do better. Just because we can charge it doesn't mean we should charge it. And, you know, we could have picked up the phone and had our public services department come and pick this up for $35. So I will not be supporting this. Thank you. All right, are there further comments or questions? Yeah, so I think, I think the situation is ripe for um, amended policy, as an example, uh, amended process. Um, we, you know, typically when we take a look at these uh, issues in city operations, um, I mean, there are copious amounts of trash. There are, I mean, tons of debris. There, you know, it's it's almost unbelievable in terms of what you're seeing. Um, yeah, and so we certainly understand um, our process, our, our process playing out. Um, and that's why, you know, honestly, 95% of the appeals that come before city operations in this body um, are denied. Um, this, however, when you have one or two bulk items um, that are left at the curb, um, I would think that we. Um, and, and Mayor Shore, I'm, I'm kind of looking to you. I would think we could have some inter interdepartmental communication. Um, I think we could certainly 
um, as an example, um, you know, take advantage of, um, or at least try, right, to take advantage of, of the block item sticker, um, or process, I should say. There's no longer a sticker. Um, but in any event, if, uh, you know, if, if they at that point um, don't avail themselves to that, um, then obviously we need to move forward with our process. Um, but I don't know if it's a tag. I don't know if it's in the letter um, with regards to bulk items. Uh, but there needs to be some type of education, I, th I, I would think, because um, 600 and, you know, plus dollars for one couch um, is a problem, certainly. Uh, so there's a motion on the floor. Um, I'm not seeing any other f conversation or discussion. All right, Mayor Shore. I just want to point out a yep. hang tag goes on every door. Um, a hang tag does yep. go on every door. The person can then call. Um, and, I th and I think, I guess what we're asking is, you know, take a look at the hang tag. And if there is somewhere on there that says, you know, here's, here's a program in place for bulk items, there's, there's um, just a, so that we're specific. There's a phone number for them to yep. call, and then you can discuss it. it they're noticed. And that's kind of times. a catch-all, right? There, just there is if a phone you have questions regarding the process. Absolutely. They, they okay. would absolutely say that when the, when right. the call we got a, we got a couple, couple questions or comments. Uh, first, Councilman Brown, and then Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, President Hussein. And to Councilwoman uh, Spitzley's point, if there's a language barrier, I don't know what those uh, look like or if we have interpreted services available, if that's identified on those uh, documents. Because if you have someone who maybe can't you know, read English or something like that, then that would hinder or provide a barrier. We certainly do through 311. Um, I mean, I, we don't have every different language put on the, the tag that we hang, but somebody who calls 311, we absolutely do have um, language assistance. Councilwoman Spitzley. Um, thank you, Mr. President. And, and, I, and I agree, and I sympathize with that. I think that, again, I agree with, as Council Member Hussein, as President Hussein said, you know, 90% of the, the appeals that come through are denied. However, I, I, you know, I, I understand that there's a door tag. I do, and I, and I understand that there's the opportunity to call. But there's also an opportunity for our code enforcement to exercise a little discretion with a single couch. And, you know, and so, you know, we're here to serve and we're government and that's our job is to serve. And so I, 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 the, the door hangs are, are great and I'm glad that those are there because I think that, you know, if you don't avail yourself of that, that's on you. I, I get that. But I also think that there, there has to be, a, I think, a little bit of discretion and, and a single couch on the curb where you know you can put it in you know whatever database and and have them come and pick it up for thirty five dollars versus calling um, a waste hauler for six hundred and sixty dollars. I think that we need to look at that. So I, I agree with what you're saying, and I, I think in the door hangers are effective, um, but I think there needs to be a little bit more discretion on the, on particularly on a bulk item like that. All right. Further questions, comments. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. All those opposed, same sign. Aye. aye. All right, motion does not carry. Okay, we uh, are to claim 1901 uh, for trash fees on Hillsdale. Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. What we have before us is a claim for um, $2,215 um, for 1017 Hillsdale Street. Um, this did go um, before the Claims Review Committee, and they denied um, his request for an appeal. Um, this incident um, was yeah. occurred on March 21st, 2022, um, and uh, 
it was reached, I'm sorry, the incident date was March 1st, 2021, 2022. Um, it was rechecked on March 9th, um, 2022, and the contractor um, was on site um, March 21st, 2022. Um, and so there was ample notice. There was ample time in between the notice where um, the homeowner could have called and asked for extra time or asked for consideration. Um, that did not happen. Um, it went to the Claims Review Committee on March 17th, 2022. Um, and um, I, it's, not, it's not germane about the red tag. And so with that, um, I would move the resolution to deny the claim in the amount of um, to deny the appeal claim in the amount of $2,215. All right, so there is a motion on the floor to deny the claim uh, in the amount of $2,215. Is there further questions or comments? All right, seeing and hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. All right, motion carries. And we have claim 1910 for trash fees on Chicago Avenue. Councilwoman Spitz. Thank you, Mr. President. What we have before us is um, a claim appeal for $9,440 in trash fees at 735 Chicago Avenue. Um, this claim was initially um, cited in um, January 14th of 2022, um, but because of weather delays, it was um, weather issues, it was delayed and the claim was basically retracted. It was reissued. March 30th, 2022. So at the time, J January 14th, the, the, the um, tenant, he was a tenant at the time of the house. He was put on notice that he had the trash issues. Um, subsequent to that, he purchased the property through a quick claim deed and the property became his and he was recited again um, on, um, March 30th, I'm sorry, yep, March 30th, 2022. Um, again, he was um, properly noticed, um, had opportunity um, to um, correct the situation. He did comment that he had been in the hospital for a couple weeks, but that he did know about this issue. Um, and so we felt um, that he had proper notice um, and that um, all the you know process had been followed, and so during committee his claim was um, denied. Um, and with that, I would move the resolution to deny his claim. All right, there's a deny motion on the floor. Appeal. Yep, to deny in full. Uh, is there further discussion? Any questions? Yeah, for, I mean from the testimony, I was I was in the committee meeting from the testimony and the pictures. It almost seemed as if maybe this was a dump site for a personal business. Um, so yeah, so with that being said, um, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye, all those opposed, same sign. Our motion carries. And we have claim 1916 for trash fees on Robertson Street. For the last time tonight, Councilwoman Thank you. Um, thank you, Mr. President. What we have before us is a um, claim appeal number 1916, the estate of Irene McKay, for $3,272 in trash fees at 1351 Robertson Street. Um, so what this, this was, this was kind of an, uh, an interesting incident. 
Um, the, the person who owns the property um, has been deceased for a number of years. Um, and um, the grandmother, I think, lives there in the pro on the property right now. But the attorney who represents the estate was here. Um, the incident date as cited was um, November 9th, 2021. Um, they received a letter regarding the trash um, on November 16th, 2021. Um, uh, the trash the trash contractor was on property at um, on December 6th, 2021. And so they had almost a month to address the trash um, and the incident in their, in their yard. Um, let's see. So they did have proper notice. They had um, opportunity to um, address the situation and they did not. One of the things that the attorney for the estate did mention was his concern that there were um, a number of um, empty barrels in the um, trailer which kind of skewed the amount of trash or cubic, cubic yards of trash that there actually was. And so we looked at that and did some, I didn't do the math, I think Sherry Boak did and, and President Hussein did some quick math and determined that it was approximately um, seven yards, the, the uh, seven cubic yards that the, the empty trash barrels um, took up. And so based on that, um, we uh, awarded a partial award of $238 um, and denied the balance of $3,000. $34. And with that, I would move the resolution to deny the claim in the amount of $3,034. All right. There's a motion on the floor. Further discussion? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. <clears throat> motion carries. Okay. We are to reports of, or I'm sorry, we're to speaker registration for public comment on city government related matters. Uh, this is your final opportunity to sign up in the next minute or so uh, on the yellow sheet in the back with Jason. Um, and in the meantime, we are to reports of officers, boards, and commissions. Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. At this time, I would move that all items be considered being read in full and that the proper referrals be made by you, Mr. President. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye, all those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, we have from the clerk, minutes of boards and commissions. Place on file. Uh, from President Hussein, uh, Council Rule uh, 47 edition. Uh, city operations. Items from the mayor, um, two items related to uh, amending chapter 1300 marijuana operations. Uh, Committee of the whole. Uh, we have a slew of traffic control orders to regulate parking in Old Town. Uh, traffic, I'm sorry, city operations. Um, we have the reappointment of John Shosky to the uh, Airport Authority Board. Uh, city operations. Grant acceptance for the Ingham County Parks and Trails Millage. Ways and means. Uh, fee change Parks and Recreation Department. Ways and means. Grant acceptance, Michigan Natural Resource Trust Fund for Pathways and Park Improvements. Ways and Means. Uh, workers' Compensation Settlement. Uh, ways and Means. And we have setting the show cause and uh, potentially doing the order for uh, Make Safer Demolish at 2026 West Jolly Road. Public Safety. 
and donation acceptance Hispanic Heritage Month events. Uh, ways and means. Okay, we have uh, communications and petitions, uh, response from House Democratic Leader Lisinski in support of the council resolution uh, urging the repeal of the 1931 abortion ban. Place on file. Uh, the Michigan Mus Municipal League annual meeting notice. Place on file. Uh, claim appeal uh, number 1891, Tom Buffett uh, for trash fees on Christensen. City operations. And we have several notices from the Liquor Control Commission. Uh, one is for uh, Class C uh, for Leo's Outpost at 600 South Pennsylvania. Uh, one is for H&M um, Convenience Store uh, for uh, uh, SDM and SDD license at 1830 West Saginaw. And the other is for um, BS Liquor uh, to transfer ownership uh, the location at 1701 West Willow. All right, all three will be referred to city operations. And we are to a motion of excuse absence. Uh, Vice President Wood. I would move to excuse Council Member Garza from this evening's meeting. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. <laughs> right, yeah, you, de you deserve to do that, right? Um, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. R remarks by Council Members. We have any remarks tonight? Uh, seeing none. Uh, remarks by the mayor. Mayor Shore. Uh, just um, one. Uh, I forgot to mention that we are having our Mexican Independence Day uh, celebration on September 16th from 11 to 1 at City Hall. Uh, we also have the mobile food pantry this Saturday from 9 to 11 at Tabernacle of David. Um, and while I'm at it, I will apologize to everybody here in two weeks. I will not be attending the city council meeting. Um, that is the evening of Rosh Hashanah, and I will be um, honoring that religious tradition that evening, so I will not be here, um, but we will have staff here. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Okay, public comment on legislative matters. Our first speaker is Belinda Fitzpatrick, follow, followed by Farhan Sheikh Omar. And again, folks have up to three minutes to address topics related to the operation or governance of the city of Lansing. Well, this is uh, definitely like a quality of life issue in the city of Lansing. I've been concerned about the lack of pre-deprivation due process for a long time. He needs to start the thing, the timer. Okay, now. I never expected to get this much press coverage. The whole front page, and then I got a second one too, okay? Thank you. Um, well, you know, it does seem like unusual they have 27 chickens in the city, but I was raising babies. And then the other ones were miniatures, and I was hoping to not wear my shirt anymore about missing my chickens, but there were six they said died, and my tap tap was not there. Tap's like my best friend on earth, and I gotta get back and ask them to take a second look. But here it said, the county says it acted to save the chickens. This is so 
illogical, thank you, that they take, they take, okay, they take tap tap, and I told the prosecutor, I said, it's cold, it's gonna get cold, he can't be out in the cold, I swear I bet you he froze to death. I wonder what the jury would have thought if they and the jury acquitted me, they found me not guilty. But I wonder what the jury would have thought if they knew that six of the chickens that Animal Control took to supposedly protect were died in their custody. And I believe they died from criminal neglect. I was told that three died from natural causes, three died from predators. There was no excuse to take my chickens and put them out where pre they were, were threatened by predators. And I, I'm still investigating. I got to try to find the date of death of um, Tap, but you know, my endocrinologist documented that he was um, medical support. And um, there is a law that says that, that, I mean, the prosecutor is supposed to go after people if they interfere with a medical support animal, but is the prosecutor of Ingham County gonna go after Ingham County? Well, no. I just went through a year of hell. My mother just went through a year of hell and stress. And um, this is going to be um, on the law and courts at the county on Thursday. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Next, we have Farhan Sheikh Omar followed by Shannon Norris. Farhan here again. Um, this is message mostly to Lansing residents, Lansing voters. Um, as you guys all know, the mayor wants to ask all of you to pass a proposal that's going to be on this November's uh, ballot where he wants to increase your property tax so that he and the rest of you guys can have a nice facility while Lansing residents are living in places where they don't have smoke, smoke detectors, where there's wires everywhere. And so I just really want to know what makes you guys more important than Lansing residents. Why should you get a new roof when we have people outside that don't even have a roof? This building works just fine. Yes, the cost of living, the cost to maintain it might be a lot, but guess what? Rent has been out of control in this city. You don't see us asking for um, a tax you don't see us asking for relief or help. The money that came from the federal government that was for the people who are struggling in this city, you gave it to the police. You gave them 1.9 million, which includes an athletic league, a league, a basketball league, whatever it is. That's not what the money is for. And then now you want to come back to us after you've used $50 million and you want to increase our property tax. For what? Why should you get a new roof? Why? Why should the judges get a new roof? Why should the police lockup place 
get a new roof. Y'all don't deserve a new roof. As long as this building is working and it's safe, which it is safe, because I guess it passes inspections every year, unlike some of these other properties that people are living in, it's time to put people first. Stop thinking about yourselves. Stop doing that. You guys all live in nice houses. All of you do. And it's not to take credit away from you guys, but don't ask Lansing residents to increase their property tax when you haven't done anything to help us to put the people first. Come on, Mr. Mayor, do better. There are people dying in this city. A toddler died in this city a month ago because the place where he was living wasn't licensed. They didn't have smoke detectors. How many more people need to die before you take action? Go to these houses. You don't even have to listen to me. Go to these houses. Go see it for yourself. These are the same people that you're asking to increase their property tax. Go see how they're living. Go do that. Then maybe you can relate to them. Do better. People are dying in this city. Lives are at stake. It's not even a joke. Thank, thank you. Next we have Shannon Norris followed by John Morin. Hello, Shannon Norris. I live in uh, Ward 4. Uh, first, I wanted to say to Mr. Brown, Mr. Daniels, Mr. Hussein, and Ms. Wood, thank you very much uh, for the questions that you asked of the first group um, of developers there that want to partner, co-develop with LHC. Um, it's disgusting uh, to even think about uh, giving them um, management over more homes in Lansing. It's so disgusting. Lansing Housing Commission for years has left people in houses with everything from you, they've lived there for 22 years and never had a fresh coat of paint ever because they're not worth it for some reason to holes in their roofs. Photographs have them. Boards over windows that the Lansing Housing Commission manages, these scattered houses. You know it's not right. Ms. Fitzley, I heard you say that you, you, uh, you're here to serve. And it still bothers me how you stood up at the Lansing Housing Commission and told the board members that they needed to do what was really hard, even though the public was just making it so hard they needed to make that decision anyway. And they did. Ms. Hall, she caved. But I'm just wondering why you were there. I'm still wondering why you're there, and I'm going to keep bringing it up until I guess I get my answer. Why were you there as a city council member telling those people to go ahead and vote that hard decision when they were staring at 20 people who said, please don't? Who represented 200 people? I don't get it. So if you're here to serve, who are you serving? LHC? City Council, I beg you, please start knocking doors with us. We go on Monday nights and Wednesday nights. We are bound and determined to speak to all residents that live in Lansing Housing Commission houses. It's evident that people have been lying about work orders. It's evident that they still want to keep building things here in Lansing. 
and the thought that they could be allowed to when the evidence, the data says otherwise, well, that would be criminal. That would be criminal. And I really hope that some of you can grow a heart, get some empathy, form some compassion, do some work like out on the streets with the poorest of the poor. You're all welcome at our meetings. Thank you. Thank you. Next we have John Morin, followed by Charlotte Burnett. The last time I was here, I spoke about uh, when my house got shot up and the officer showed up. When he showed up, he didn't ask me how I, how I was, if I was injured, anything like that. First thing he said out of his mouth was, I heard you're an activist. I'm not an activist. I've never done anything. Um, I'm a human being. Uh, the only time I can think of uh, any time I might have confronted a cop in any manner would have been when I come across three of them attacking an unconscious black man in the car wash parking lot. Three uniformed white LPD cops. I confronted them because they were attacking somebody that was unconscious. They turned around and confronted me. I backed away. Stood around long enough to make sure help came. After that, I never received any police protection of any way, shape, or form. Uh, numerous break-ins, shooting, never solved anything. Even when we knew who it was that did it, never even investigated. So there's quite a bit I need to talk about, and not only just for me, but if they lied on me, I'm sure they lied on other people too. If you don't confront people that lie, especially people that you depend on to tell the truth, then you don't have much of a society. That's all I got to say for today. Other than that, uh, I hope everybody stays safe. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next we have Charla Burnett, followed by Don Dean. President, councilpersons, thank you for having me. I'm here um, at request to talk about my resignation to the Human Relations and Community Services Board on September 2nd. And I'm going to try to condense this into a three-minute speech, which it took four pages to write. And so I just went ahead and put some things together. It has come to my attention quite recently, actually, that the HRCS department has had um, some issues uh, regarding the last director and misappropriation of funds, which uh, led to a 153-page audit in 2020 uh, and criminal charges of the former director. Uh, I have a PhD in governance. And specifically, I know that removing one person from a department is not going to solve issues pertaining to corruption or nepotism. Uh, one issue that had me resign among many was the fact that we were not meeting regularly despite it was required in our charter, and that Councilperson Brown had pushed so hard to make sure that we were meeting every month. When I asked why we weren't meeting every month, 
I was told that it was because there was no one to fill the seats and that there were a lot of empty seats despite I had applied in 2019. Uh, another issue was the fact that the HRCS grant, uh, the process, they didn't provide us with any of the governance documents of the organizations that had applied, despite our role being to make sure that there was no issues that we had had, uh, like we had prior to 2020. Um, in fact, when we did grade these applications, they were then sent to the HRCS staff to be graded before being graded by the mayor. We requested to see those grades and were denied. Uh, we also uh, felt very disempowered in the fact that Director Coleman and staff ignored motions that we passed in the advisory committee, including requesting a city council member be present at our July meeting. Uh, we also asked that we have Doug Flemings from the LHC board come and participate in questioning for which the uh, Director Coleman and her staff ignored. We were told in writing that we were not allowed to investigate the LHC uh, sale of the scattered sites, despite 70% of the houses in the LHC study being in disrepair, and many of which were red and pink taped, causing a direct threat to our citizens. Uh, no city council member ever came to our uh, meetings despite our requests. Um, and then we also felt like all of our requests were circumvented uh, to the mayor. There were also issues pertaining to intimidation. Jody Washington was talking to a nonprofit leader about the nepotism in the past and how we need to create a stronger board for the future and was later called down to the mayor's office and told not to do that. Um, I also know that uh, HRCS awards have been withheld from the Emoja House, the Fledge Foundation, and Opportunity Knox. And this is not the first time that the city has used grants to punish leadership in a nonprofit, uh, the village being one of them. I request that you please investigate the HRCS in full, including its director, as well as move toward a city management legislation. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we have Don Dean, followed by Larry Hutchinson. Thank you, uh, Don Dean, um, North Side, East Side. Um, so I wanted to talk about that the, the grant. I just noticed it, but I wanted to talk about the grant um, acceptance for trails and stuff like that for parks. And uh, back in the back in the winter, I was at one of the park board meetings, talking about the lights were taken out without the board knowing or anything like that. And in uh, um, Bancroft has a lot of trails. However, there, there's a lot of fallen, fallen timber and, and uh, there's a fence that's been there since I was knee high to a grasshopper that's embedded in the ground. And, um, not, and I'm 53, so it's been there for a long time. Bancroft needs some maintenance. There was no budget for Bancroft in that park board meeting. And then you, not you, but LEPFA has the audacity to say that they want to put a driving range in our field. There are hundreds of people, that you, probably even thousands of people that use that park every week to walk their dogs, to play with their dogs, to play with their children. And I'm here as the vice president of the Friends of Bancroft Park to say we need maintenance in that park. 
we don't need a driving range. Okay, we, 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 need, we need some help with, with maintenance in that park. Like I said, it's been neglected for decades. Thank you. Thank you. Next we have Larry Hutchinson followed by Michael Mercer. Mr. President, Honorable Council, Mayor's Office, City Attorney's Office, Clerk's Office. I'm going to get to you in a minute, sir. Uh, I rise and extend to myself as much time as I may consume to extend and revise my remarks. I'm Larry Hutchinson, Green Party nominee for Secretary of State. Now, I'm sorry. Mr. Clerk, I have gained appreciation for what you do. Because every day, I get another, another ton of letters. And this, was, this one's from Miss Barb, our county clerk. And I'm sure she has some very choice words for me, but we'll get along with that. Local media. Uh, public service, public safety, residents of Lansing, Michigan, the great and beautiful city of Lansing, Michigan. Now, when you go to Detroit and a couple of other of these cities, you gain an appreciation when you come home. This is just a different type of thing. Miss Woods, you're looking beautiful. We're matching today. Uh, let's talk about the fly. From the Holy Quran, it talks about a man cannot create anything, not even a fly. And if he did create a fly, it would take what he created and fly away. Now this, this campaign thing, let me tell you something. It's taken on a whole life of itself. I'm telling you, I can pull out that bag, tons of this stuff right here. Uh, Mr. Jackson, I hope you're doing well with your campaign for uh, judge. Uh, I understand you're going on to lawfully other pursuits. Now, This woman right here is being unjustly held in Russia. Her name's Brittany. Brittany Griner, basketball player, um, female basketball player. And as I understand it, LeBron James is making more than the whole woman basketball team. Free Brittany, free Larry Hoover. Thank you. Next we have. Michael Mercer, followed by Dwight Washington. Kara, I'd like to talk about something that Council Member Brian Jeffries brought up back 
in the past when he was a large council member and you were here at the time. Do you remember when he mentioned he would like to make that wall back there, the wall of fame of all the Lansing residents who came down here to speak their mind? And here, it hasn't yet been put up back there and I think it should get put up. And the reason why it wasn't put up was probably because back during those days, when Brian brought it up was because we had Benero, his three councilwomen, and we had the cousins on council who would not have approved that to have gone through. But now that we have new council members and new mayor, could you please get that started to put those, you know, pictures of those regulars who came down here to speak their mind? If you remember back during the days, we had Lloyd Teach that came down here who spoke his mind. He hollered and yelled to get, you know, people on council to quiet and not talk to each other or pay attention to what he's saying. Had Ed Zimmer, I remember Ed coming down here during that um, Wolverine pipeline down there in Blackman Township. He came here talking about when he went down there, he does not want that pipeline running against alongside 96 on the south side where he happened to have lived. And John, Darnell, Charlene, and all were standing, you know, agreeing with what he was saying. And John saved, you know, the city residents millions of dollars. I remember they wanted to build a brand new high school on the north side of town. And I remember Christine Timmons, she had her talk show, Jewels of Knowledge, and Benero did not appreciate, you know, her talking down here about the government, you know, how he is in government is a Ingham County Commissioner, a state rep, and now, you know, at that time, the mayor of Lansing. And I remember, too, Curtis X, he was down here. He brought his books down here. And I think all those, you know, Lansing citizens, those pictures should be put up back here, like Councilmember Brian Jeffries mentioned. I don't understand why, if you can't do it for them, why can you name council members and mayors, such as Sandy Allen, at what you mentioned, Council President Hussein, or at the Malfrey uh, Community Center on the south side. We've got the Hollister building we're in right now. We have Tony Benavides, who was a council member, third ward, I believe, if I remember right, during the time when, you know, Hollister was mayor, and then he became the mayor of Lansing, and the, you know, you guys are all these here people. Why can't you, the citizens of Lance, you came down to speak their mind? And like I say, they are not ever going to be forgotten, these people. So put those pictures up. Thank you. Remember Brian Jeffrey said, Carol, you remember that or don't you? Thank you. Next, we have Dwight Washington followed by Kyle Richard. Good evening, Dwight Washington, Bath Township. And uh, I'm here today to echo some of the comments made by. Um, the Vice President of Bancroft Parks, and uh, I myself have a doctorate in Parks and Recreation, and I've been here in the past to speak on the value of parks, and I, I'm not really sure why I'm here tonight to go over some of the same issues that I've brought up before, but I do love Lansing, and I love Lansing's parks, and um, during this pandemic, one of the things that I did, because I couldn't travel, go elsewhere, was like really got to know the Lansing area parks, and one of my friends and I really like made a list of the best parks in the greater Lansing area, and Bancroft Park was one of the top five in both of our lists, and that's really an accomplishment for a city park when the other ones were county parks. And to hear that there's interest in developing a 
driving range on Bancroft Park is really disheartening because one of the things that parks provide people is a place to have community. Um, new research is showing that parks improve the quality of life and the health of people. And to have something that is uh, going to be, that's such a rich natural um, gem for our city is, is, is really discouraging. And it's also, it's, it's an, a matter of equity when you begin to look at like how many natural forested um, old growth areas are actually within the Lansing areas. There's not very many. And when we think about the golf courses, how it, they're not really accessible for all of the people, but only a select group of people who have clubs, who have the money to pay for that um, golf course, it really becomes a question of inequity and, and, and injustice. And I, and I really hope that the council will keep that in mind, is that the people of Lansing, the beautiful people of Lansing who have gone through and prospered in an industrial era and who are making their way through this new era of climate change and climate uncertainty, if we don't have these green spaces where people can go to exercise to find uh, healthy, clean air, we're putting them at risk, and, and that's really unacceptable. Um, one of the things that you've talking about that's on the table is uh, is housing, and, and housing, as we know, is is a, a critical feature for people's quality of life. And another critical feature is parks. It's considered a social determinant of health. And when we begin to take away these social determinants of health, we're um, taking away the quality of life, and we're, ma we're putting people at risk um, for a better, healthy lifestyle that's going to cost us and our our medical industry more money. And so with that being said, I would just, again, like to thank you all for your support of Bancroft Park and encourage you to, to remember the people and remember that there are golf courses other places and people who have money can travel and will do that. People who don't have money need to be able to get, have access to something that's close by. Thank you. Thank you. And next we have Kyle Richard and then Loretta Stanaway. Thank you everyone for being here tonight. Uh, on the paper I wrote, uh, what my topic was, was words and systems. Uh, at the end of my last comment, uh, I said, uh, kind of reference to whatever, appease whatever's happening here. And I think words are important. We gotta be clear with how we communicate. Um, when I say what's happening here, what I'm talking about is the perpetuation of systems. Um, I think, some, and, and sometimes it's big, some, and sometimes it's small. You know, sometimes it's the pilots and the Oprahs, right? Sometimes it's when I'm driving down Michigan Avenue um, and on the left, there's a fancy new Meyer Hotel apartment building with a outdoor live music event. And on the right, there's the mission with people in the street. So in, and I do appreciate, like, it was nice to see this council today do things that I haven't seen y'all do before. Um, and I understand breaking systems on an individual level is nearly impossible. But we, can, we do have the power within ourselves of what we do um, in our lives and the words that we say and the actions that we take. Um, sometimes it's small, though. Sometimes the perpetuation of systems can go unlooked. Um, one very small thing that I noticed in the agenda today uh, with regard to item, it was items 28 and 29, uh, marijuana, M-A-R-I-H-U-A-N-A. -A -A. Uh, what, like, what in the Anglo-Saxon is that? Like, 
<laughs> words, words come from places. Um, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's not Mary Hay. Um, you know, there's a J there for reasons, Tijuana, right? Not Tijuana. It's not Marahana. Um, and so it's like, it's the erasure that happens, not just like at a, at a language level, but also at a people level where when I'm driving down Michigan Avenue, just turn your neck, just turn your neck the other way. You don't have, you don't have to see it. Just turn your neck. Um, and I don't know. And then, you know, I scroll on Facebook and I find out that, you know, Mary Andy Shore had crazy crab for lunch, you know, wants everyone to know that there's construction on Waverly, but you can still get in there. Hoorah. Hoorah, let's support those local businesses. Like, people are, in, people are in the street. And I'm glad you had a good lunch, but like, let's, let's, let's use our position for something. Because to say Mayor Shore is a force for good in this city is to tell a lie, in my view. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, finally we have Loretta Stanaway. Okay, um, to go back to a few of the earlier subjects about pilots and such, Oprah's and whatever, um, if my memory serves me correctly, 700 May Street was at one time an LPD precinct. And it was vacated, if I remember correctly, because it was in horrible condition. It had been let go, it had not been kept up, it had not been maintained. There were problems with leaks and walls falling down and rats and mice and you name it. And this is the person that you want to turn over an Oprah to? Somebody who could not maintain a police precinct in a safe manner? And if you read through the wording for the application, um, you're gonna find some shadows of Virgil coming out here. Virgil's cool creative class. There's a quote in there, it says, this building is for forward-thinking young workers, end of quote. And the next quote is, it's for conscious young people. Well, I hope they're not unconscious. That wouldn't be too helpful, would it? They claimed that there would not be any a loss of school or state education funds, but if you look at that application, there's a box checked that gives the state the option to give them six years of a half a half reduction on their school and state educational fund <coughs> excuse me, responsibilities. Um, in the 28 existing pilots, you've said that there was roughly $2.7 million per year being lost to the taxpayers. And if Carol had mentioned it over 30 years, it averaged out to about $94 million of lost income. <coughs> $2.7 million a year is equivalent to 18 police officers. So every year for the next 30 years, we could be gaining 18 additional police officers. The proposed Board of Water and Light uh, increases, average from what I gathered from what our uh, chair said, would be about $18.50 a month additional. We cannot stand these continual increases in costs and these continual losses of public services to provide for private profit. Put an end to it, please. Thank you. 
All right. And with no other business for the body, we are adjourned at 938.